welcome to the Late Late Show of Security Discussion. I am Nyoman and I'm here with my good friend, Akira. And we're here to talk about the A to Z of the relationship between media, politics, and security threats on the perspective of institutions, or we may say, the governments. Right. You know, since we're in quarantine, I'm sure all of us are drawn to social media so much more than usual. I mean, I know I do. And it got me thinking, actually, what would I do without it? Turns out, it's not just me that has thought of the significance of media, apparently. Political institutions have considered the importance of social media and media in general just as much as we do. That they're even making social media and any media is their new arsenal. Yep. However, we will not only cover the benefits of social media for political institutions, but also how it turns out to be a double-edged sword which becomes a threat for them when citizens have access to voice their grievances loudly and clearly through current communication advancements. I think this could lead to the discussion of non-traditional security issues as they become more prominent in contemporary politics. Therefore, we will touch upon three cases of our choice, Vietnam War, Trump and Twitter, and Black Lives Matter movement. These cases would allow us to dig the A to Z of how the usage of media have shaped the politics we have today. Alright, shall we dig in? Sure, we'll start off with Vietnam War, the beginning of media impacts in the politics of the United States. This case covers the double-edged sword nature of media within politics, hence why this is a good case to start off. So the Vietnam War began in 1955 and now known as the Television War. At the time, camera crews and TV journalists were placed in non-combat areas in order to portray less violent sides of war, which was in Saigon at the time, or now known as Ho Chi Minh City. Such measure was believed to be pulled in order to maintain military recruitments, propaganda for patriotism, and win public opinions for U.S. involvement in the war. These reports from media prior to 1968 were supportive of government's effort in Vietnam. However, the turning point for this war happened that year in 1968, which was the Tet Offensive. An unexpected attack by North Vietnamese soldiers turned Saigon into a combat area. Therefore, journalists and camera crews were exposed to the true reality of war. Their documentations reached the public's eyes in U.S. televisions and intensified resentments towards U.S. involvement in the war. Whoa, that happened? Yeah. Basically, the government lost public opinions at this point. In May 1970, 500 students in Kent, Ohio gathered for a peace rally against the involvement of the US, U.S. in the war. The protest led to the Kent State Massacre as National Guard soldiers killed four students and injured nine. In the same month, Jacobin Magazine reported over 4 million young people joined protests that shut down classes at 700 colleges, universities, and high schools around the country. Many students also declined recruitments from agencies who profited from the war. No way. I know, right? At this point, the media became a boomerang for the U.S. government as they're losing public opinions and receiving major resentments against the war. Wow, isn't that an interesting case? The fact that the U.S. initially used television or mass media to propagate impressions in regards to the Vietnam War actually kind of correlates with the fact that Trump's administration also uses the media as their main tunnel of communication. But since we're now more advanced technologically, we mainly use social media platforms, like Twitter. Anyways, do you follow Trump on Twitter? Yeah, he's surprisingly very active on Twitter, right? Oh yeah, very active. You know what? 
Actually, one of the main factors he won the 2016 election is because he's very invested on Twitter. He had double the number of Clinton's followers at the time of the election, and he's also proven to interact and engage more with his audiences that he even retweeted lots of tweets from ordinary users. According to Pew Research Center in 2016, this creates a sense of closure for his supporters, as if Trump really heard what they've got to say. Now that he's the president-elect, his administration keeps on continuing their social media empire that has been strong built since the campaign. Even though his tweets are rather controversial most of the time, but I read an article that his supporters actually find those tweets promising in a way because, you know, they consider Trump as being just a candid person that he says what he wants to say and without filter and, you know, just being truthful to his people. Those people actually dig that because, as I said, they feel like they have a special bond, like a closure with the president himself. You know, anyways, talking about Trump and his eccentric tweets, did you read the one where he refers black people as thugs? I mean, that's just wow. I know, yeah. I think this comes to the discussion of the Black Lives Matter movement where social media actually sparked outrage from society and affects national security in a way. So the movement started off around 2013 to the murder of an African-American teenager, Trayvon Martin, who was a victim of police brutality in the previous year. The movement used one of social media widgets, the hashtag, representing resistance towards systematic racism on black people in America. It developed into street demonstrations following further police brutalities on Eric Garner in New York City and Michael Brown in Ferguson. In 2020, the murder of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd sparked this movement from peaceful protests to violent riots and lootings all over 50 states, demanding the delayed justice it has demanded for seven years long as police brutality towards black people hasn't simmered down. That is insane. I know, although there are lots of peaceful protests throughout this movement, the riots and looting seem to have triggered President Trump's nerves as a threat as US military assets are utilized to simmer down the demonstrations. These efforts, however, have been criticized by more than 280 former national security officials, according to CNN. Uh, what's happening right now is such a roller coaster. Anyway, so. I think what you said earlier about the fact that the media being used in politics could be a double-edged sword is true. Put it this way, um, do you have a knife at home, right? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, you could use that knife to cut onions to make delicious dinner for your family or you could stab people in the back with it, quite literally. So it's really up to you on how you want to make use of it. When it comes to media and politics, it's up to the actors to decide what they could bring about from using the media. In the case of BLM, people find the media as a perfect tool for them to voice out their feelings towards the injustice that has been going on for so long. Though, at the same time, as you said, it sparks outrage that it affects national security instead. On the other hand, when looking from the case of Trump, you know, despite all the scandalous tweets he posted, of course, It can be seen that, um, you know, since social media is very accessible for most people, it's not impossible for institutions and governments to communicate to the public with it. And in the case of Vietnam War, the U.S. government 
initial intention was to, you know, report quote unquote live from the war zone. However, it backlashed when the Tet Offensive happened, exposing that the journalists were actually being stationed in what turned out to be a war-free zone, that they had not really been broadcasted the truth all those times. You know, from these three cases, it can clearly be seen and justified that, you know, you know yes, media and politics, they do have nature of being a double-edged sword. Yep. Since we're taking the perspective of institutions throughout all these three cases, I think it's fair to say that the government and authorities have been our different object. In the case of BLM and Vietnam War after the Tet Offensive where the media became a tool of threat, it threatens the value of order that has been constructed by authorities. I mean, lootings and riots are not really order, right? Mm. While during the... Th- Yeah, during the 2016 election and beginning of Vietnam War, media was a lovely arsenal for the government, wasn't it? I think there are several lessons we can learn from the dynamics of media and politics in regard to security. As for society, education is important so that people would be capable to filter and weigh which news are hoax and which are not. True! And we can also narrow that from the government's perspective. Since people can easily express their opinion about everything nowadays, when it comes to, as for instance, criticizing regimes or institutions, it is the government's job to make sure that they could, you know, get those opinions well managed so that they can better themselves and they can also better cater to people's needs, knowing that the government exists to be the representatives of the people and serve them. Great point! We have briefly covered the A to Z of media and politics, but I'm sure there are more in-depth discussion that could develop from this one as communication technological advancements constantly develop as well. However, we are running out of time and I hope to see you in another late, late show of this security discussion with me, Nyoman and Akira. See ya!